0: Hi, I'm Scott Houston, your host of the Local Officials Stronger Together podcast series. We're about to embark on a new adventure. We're going to be doing short videos explaining different facets of how the pool operates. The first one we'll do will be a series called the STP Special Report on Rerates, and we'll be talking about the drivers of rates for the upcoming season. Please join us as we learn about this important
1: topic. This episode is part of The Pool's Local Officials Stronger Together podcast series. It's one way we serve local officials through integrity, public service, fiscal responsibility, and operational excellence. As always, please direct specific questions about coverage to your Member Services Manager.
0: All right, welcome back. I'm here with Ryan Burns, who is The Risk Pool's Cyber Risk Services Manager. Uh, Tell us a little bit about first what the position you have does, and how you got to be at the risk pool?
1: Well, the pool created our cyber liability and data breach response coverage back in 2016. And since that time, we've started to see an increase in frequency and severity of different types of cyber related claims. So about two years ago, we decided to create a specific position that would do several things for our members. One, educate them on the coverage itself, on explaining what the coverage is, what services are related to that coverage, and how it can help them identify and protect themselves from cyber risk. Uh, in doing so, a big part of my role is, is education, uh, teaching the members and explaining to them what the coverage is, but also helping them with best practices to help them become more cyber secure to try to avoid having uh, a cyber-related event in the first place.
0: Right, and so I don't think we can stress how massive of an exposure cyber risk is? I mean, tell us a little bit about that, maybe some examples of why that is.
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, everything we do on a daily basis is tied to electronic device. It's the Internet of Things, right? Everything is Internet connected. Uh, As public entities, we possess a lot of data, uh, and all of that is interconnected amongst departments that we work with. So if you think of it from that standpoint, our exposure is spread across not only a specific location, it's spread across the entire internet because the internet is is accessible anywhere. So technically anybody could access your information inside your network if they have enough um, technical expertise and if you aren't cyber secure. So it's a huge risk.
0: Yeah, and and I've actually learned from one of your tips and tricks as well that if you're using a public Wi-Fi network, be sure you're on VPN, and we've tried to put that information out there, so we appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I want to ask about is, this is not just a hypothetical either. This is something that has happened to local governments across the, the, the country, and it's happened to cities and other entities in Texas as well. Tell us about that.
1: Well, we've got I mean, a long list of examples of <laughs> things that have happened to pool members. I mean, we can look back to 2019, where we had a um, uh, coordinated attack, where 23 Texas cities were all hit in one specific incident. A lot of those were pool members. And if you think about that specific incident, a lot of those cities were very small. So we're not talking about the large cities in Texas. We're talking about the small ones. And that's a that's a struggle we have uh, in my role, is helping people understand that this could happen to you. Because I still hear that's not going to happen to us. We're a small city in West Texas. We're a small city in South Texas. Nobody's interested in our stuff. And then we look at this example and we see that the average population of those cities was about 7,000 people. So that means some very small cities were impacted by that. But one of the things that we see on a really regular basis that that we we need to do a lot better job of is is scrutinizing um, electronic funds transfer requests. We still get claims on a, on a weekly or monthly basis on our members who send money electronically because one of their vendors request a bank account change uh, and we just need to make sure we follow the proper procedures and have a very diligent process to verify the authenticity of those types of requests before we start sending thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars out to a vendor because we're seeing those on a fairly regular basis.
0: Right and you mentioned how that fits in with smaller cities People think about cyber attacks and huge banks of computers and all this fancy stuff, but the most common cyber attack is a phishing attack, right? Where somebody uh, contacts a, a member official and asks them to do something, whether it's send money or click on a link that will infect their computers.
1: Exactly. The the, the weakest part of your overall cybersecurity, unfortunately, is your employee. It's the person at the keyboard. It's, it's so common. We have a term for it, we call it problem in chair, not in computer, right? So it's the human (laughs) firewall, exactly, picnic. So you know those phishing emails that that we all get uh, on a fairly regular basis, uh, we're trying to be accommodating, we're trying to be great um, uh, customer service advocates and do the right thing. Sometimes we get in a hurry and we do something we probably shouldn't do by clicking on a a link or opening an attachment. Um, And that's one of the reasons why the pool is making a strong focus this upcoming year in assisting our members with uh, some simulated phishing campaigns, where we actually will assist them with running these types of tests for their employees to see how successful they can be on identifying these types of attempts.
0: Right. And so there is a mandatory cybersecurity training that's required by the state that touches on that. But, of course, the risk pool wants to go much further with the kind of programs that you're talking about.
1: Right. I mean, anybody can take a a 10-minute or 15-minute training once a year and check the box and say they're cyber secure. But really what it boils down to is on your day-to-day operations. And if you get this email that comes through and and you click on it and you're not supposed to, um, and there's some repercussion in a safe environment, that's a much better training tool for an employee than just sitting down and taking that 10 or 15-minute training. So we're going to supplement that. And hopefully by doing so, it will just make um, our employees of our, of our members a little bit more aware and just have them stop and think before they click.
0: And that's really the key, right? Think before you click. Exactly. They get no takeaway from any of this, that's probably one of the most important things they would get. That's right. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about coverage. And we don't want to get into too much detail, but every member who has liability coverage has a base level of cyber coverage with the pool automatically, right? Correct. Okay. And then they can also, those members can also purchase higher levels of coverage. Tell us a little bit, though, about just as a basic proposition, if a member's computer gets hacked or if they click on a link and down, download ransomware and, and their computer is frozen up and someone's asking for money, tell me how that process works. Well, what's the first thing they should do is question number one. And then how does that
1: work? Yeah, first thing they should do is, is contact us as, as quickly as possible because part of the cyber coverage that we provide and it's right there in the name of the coverage. It's data breach response coverage. So a team of experts will contact the member and help navigate and walk them through that process. Because most members, just like you mentioned, they don't know what to do when something like that happens. So the experts can come in and assist them with that from um, uh, data restoration, from uh, forensics to try to determine how the event occurred and what they can do to remedy it. Uh, If it happens to be a a ransomware event, there's even trained negotiators that can negotiate the amount of that ransom down to a lower amount if they do choose to pay the ransom. Uh, It's also a team of legal experts that can help them navigate through that complex process to determine whether or not an actual uh, data exposure has taken place, which would trigger different types of notification laws, Uh, and those are complex situations that the average member Uh, probably doesn't have the expertise on speed dial to be able to access. And that's really where the data breach response coverage uh, shows its strength.
0: Well, I'm just so glad that we have a dedicated cyber risk services manager. I'm glad we have you in that role. And we appreciate what you're doing to get the word out on cyber.
1: Well, thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Welcome back. I'm here with Irvin Yannick, who is the director of our loss prevention department. Let's talk about loss prevention today, right? Loss prevention is one, if not the most, one of, if not the most important functions of any risk pool, right? Because the idea is to stop injuries, accidents, and incidents before they actually become claimed. And it's obviously very important to the TML risk pool because loss prevention is mentioned in our mission statement. You want to talk a little bit about the basics of it and, and what the mission statement says?
2: Yes, Scott. Uh, as we've always and as we talk about regularly, uh, the mission statement of the risk pool is the Texas Municipal League Intergovernmental Risk Pool is to offer and provide Texas municipalities and other units of local government with a stable and economic source of risk financing and loss prevention services. Yep. Uh, as we talk about regularly, loss prevention is specifically stated within that mission statement. And it is something that the risk pool places a huge investment on as far as helping protect our members and trying to have them be proactive in preventing incidents and accidents that may impact them.
0: And so you have a, you have a good-sized department. You have several uh, folks that are uh, called loss prevention representatives. Tell us about the general functions of the department, and then more specifically, tell us about what those loss prevention reps
2: do we have a total of 20 employees in, within our department uh, i am the manager of that department we have an assistant manager and three admin employees that work mainly out of the austin office uh, we also have three training specialists one of who specializes in law enforcement another in more public work type exposures and the other is a human resources specialist uh, those are very important assets for our members and we do like to do as many training programs as we can to assist them. Uh, Outside of that we get into our loss prevention reps. We have three senior loss prevention reps and nine loss prevention reps that service our members across the state of Texas. And tell me about what their
0: their primary function is. I mean we speak about the goal of loss prevention clearly is to avoid accidents and avoid injuries and and keep people safe. Tell us more specifically
2: about what those loss
0: prevention reps do and how a member can use them.
2: The loss prevention reps, their their job varies from member to member, uh, depending on what the needs of those individual members are. Uh, in, In most cases, you would look at our loss prevention reps as being safety consultants or risk management consultants, and their number one duty is to use their experience and knowledge to assist our members in creating policies, procedures, or work practices uh, that will make their risk management performance better in the long run. Right. So the goal is to prevent injuries, to
0: save lives, and to, to help our members protect property, right? So if, if I'm a member and I have uh, a concern about safety in my city facilities, uh, something like that, can I contact you or contact my loss prevention rep and have them come help me figure out how to be safer?
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, we create what we would consider to be priorities for visits, but there's there's always a number one priority, which is always going to be any request we get from a member. So as soon as we're contacted by a member, our assigned loss prevention rep will get that communication, and we will quickly turn around and schedule a visit on site to meet the needs of the member. And these guys and gals have specific,
0: generally have specific geographic regions, so they can get to know the folks that they're working with frequently.
2: We do have geographical regions that are assigned to our reps, but we do work as a team as well and what I mean by that is if we have reps in other geographical regions that have skill sets that would better serve those exposures for members, we will share those resources. Yeah, that
0: makes good sense. So, you know, it's interesting one of the one of the uh, podcasts I did, the very first promotional episode I did, I spoke to Randy Criswell who is the chair of the Pools Board of Trustees. And he told a story about what made him get involved with the risk pool. Yeah. And it was the fact that he had had a number of accidents happen, none of which turned out to be serious, but any one of which could have been very serious. And he called and, and got his loss prevention rep to come out there and help them figure out how to improve safety in their, in their city. And that's really the, the, the key that he described as wanting him to be more involved with the pools. So I think that's a real testament to your department. And roadway exposures. We see articles in the media all the time about you know, police or fire or, or city employees removing debris from a roadway and getting hit by a vehicle or, or being injured in some other way around the roadway. So I know the Risk Pool's Loss Prevention Department has come up with a specific campaign targeted at exposures on and around roadways. Tell us about that and what it's called.
2: That specific program came internally from a couple of our loss prevention reps, and they had put together Road Ready, and they had an acronym that went with it, and we started having discussions as to where do we go with this. And that program is called Road Ready, right, which is recognize, observe,
0: assess, and determine what the appropriate and safe actions are on the roadway or near the roadway.
2: Yes. Scott mentioned a while ago, we've we've seen too many incidents uh, near roadways, and they don't always include vehicles. It's other vehicles on the roadway, it's lawnmowers or weed eaters, or just people walking near the roadways, being impacted by other vehicles, and catastrophic claims do arise from that that no one wants to deal with, but that's the aftermath we're left with. Right, and there's actually a podcast specifically dedicated to Road Ready,
0: and you can actually get to the Road Ready page at the TML's, uh, TML IRP website uh, with, with a lot of good information about what that program has to offer. Let's kind of circle back and, and come back to the original purpose of these videos, which is uh, discussing what the pool does and how that plays into uh, rate setting. And I know that, that there's some things that the Loss Prevention Department does to assist with members with making sure that they're squared away for lack of a better term when it comes to be re-rate season. Tell us about that a little bit.
2: What you're usually going to find with the loss prevention reps during re-rate season is they will do joint visits with the member services managers with the dual purpose of those meetings number one being to uh, inform or communicate to the member what is going to happen with their rates and their cost for coverages with the risk pool. On the other hand it's a it's a great opportunity for loss prevention reps to get a seat at the table and to talk about programs, policies, and work practices that potentially could impact that in the long run. Yeah, And that's the key, right? That really is a great way to kind of wrap
0: up and and bring us back to where we started, which is the role of loss prevention and really the risk pool in general is to help members avoid problems before they happen. Thrilled to have you here and at the helm of the loss prevention department and appreciate you joining us today.
1: Thank
2: you, sir. Enjoyed it. Good to talk to you.
1: To review written materials associated with this episode or to ask Scott a question, please visit www.tmlirp.org and click on the STP Podcast button. For specifics about your entity's coverages or rates, please contact your Member Services Manager